Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. But we're getting into scripture tonight. We're going to read from Romans 7. Yes. <laughs> Romans 7. Sorry, chapter 7. Verse 4. <laughs> if you know, you know. Romans 7, verses 4 to 6. Then we're going to jump down to chapter 8 as well, Romans 7, 4 says, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who raised you, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, when Jesus enters the scene, when he brings the kingdom of heaven to earth, there is a but now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released. And from, from the law, so that we may serve in a new way of the spirit, and not in the old way of the written code, down to chapter 8, verses 1, a verse that has been a major part in my life in liberating me from things. Therefore, based on this statement in verses 7, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. My message title tonight is called House Rules. Who is ever, who is a Monopoly player? Who is not a Monopoly player? <laughs> Generally, the people who are not Monopoly players were once Monopoly players. <laughs> but they live with a Monopoly player. And uh, I am uh, both one competitive but two strategic. And so when I play Monopoly, I call on stats and which properties to buy, when to buy them. Um, and I'm also the person who will like barter with you for your properties. And uh, I'll give you this and this and this, but then there's always one person playing in the game who decides I'm gonna buy anything I land on and then just sit on it and do nothing with it. It's my wife. <laughs> and there goes the bus. No. <laughs> But there's, there's this, I'm just going to buy all the properties and I'm going to sit on it, even if I'm like, it's not advantageous to me. Uh, and I'll go, well, I'll give you something that's beneficial. And the slow death that then ensues that person, um, generally they either go slowly bankrupt or they get to the point where they know their fate and then they go, this game is stupid and go and give up. But there's also a fact in Monopoly um, where whenever you sit down with a couple of different families, a couple of different people, you have to actually establish house rules. 
because it's the same with like Monopoly Deal, you know. I didn't know so many rules could be in you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's my rule. <laughs> um, and you have to establish house rules. It's like if you land on go, do you get a double, $200? That's something that I didn't grow up playing. Um, do you buy properties on the first round? Or if you don't want the property, do they go to the auction? It's all up for grabs. Um, and free parking has like credentials. Anyway, but you have to establish house rules. When you come into the kingdom of God, into this heaven's reality, you're actually entering into a family. In God's family, there are certain house rules that determine how we live our own life and then how we express that to other people. And so in talking about here as in heaven, I know my mind immediately goes to how can we get heaven to other people? How do we disseminate heaven? How do we create a culture? But the statement is this, before we see heaven throw flow through us, it must be a reality within us. Before you see heaven flow through you, you got it actually has to be a reality in you. Before you can minister freedom to someone, you first must accept God's freedom over your life. Because otherwise you'll find you're actually going to be working for Christ rather than working with Christ. And so there's this partnership that goes, man, this is heavy, this is laborsome. And you know, Jesus said, come to me all who are heavy and burdened, because my, my burden is light. This, my rhythms of life, my rhythms of great, um, grace, they're light. And so whenever we don't have heaven yet within us, there's this tension that comes into us, and we must have it first a reality in us. I know as a young man, I grew up around the church. Um, my parents were integrated into what I grew up. It's all very familiar. I was the kid underneath the pew drawing with my pillow so that I could then have a nap. Good times. Uh, <laughs> but I know even in my own life, there was a journey of which I then had to come under certain things that I was exposed to by being around wrong people at the wrong time and the wrong high uh, at, at my high school. That's why as parents, you need to be a part of who your friends hang out with because <laughs> you don't know what they're saying. And uh, I got to expose some things that then actually started controlling my life in a way. And there was a journey which I actually had to experience the freedom of heaven in my life, a four or five year journey. And so this is, this is my story. And that verse, as we read in um, 8 verses 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, I, am, I know that. I know that verse inside and out. I've said that verse inside and out. I know the preceding chapter inside and out because I was a professional shamer. Not of other people, but of myself. I've walked with people. I see youth who are living underneath the oppression and the bondage of their own shame and their own guilt. And so what I want to talk to tonight about this reality of heaven within you is it is a reality of freedom. It is reality of liberty. And so when we're coming in underneath uh, maybe some of the worldly principles, we're going to actually find out that we actually have life in Christ, and that is the determining factor of our reality now, because we are living as foreign citizens here as it is in heaven. I remember a story, um, I don't know whether I heard it or whether I came up with it, but either way, it's a good story. Um, and uh, there's, it's the idea that there is a kid 
and he grew up on the streets. I don't know, I get like an Aladdin picture, an Aladdin scene um, in my head uh, going down. And so he lives on the streets and he has to fend for himself. And so he has learnt that his life is a matter of survival, lack and, and distrust and mistrust. Now what happens if the king comes and adopts the child, takes him into the palace and says, you are now my son? Does that immediately mean that the, the processes that once defined this young guy immediately separate? No. Even though he, has, he is entitled to the king's fridge, he might still have a mentality of lack, even though he's not under the authority of lack anymore. And so we're going to read and we're going to lay down some principles in here of renewing our mind to understand that you are built in this liberty. And I'm about to mind grenade you with this truth. First thing is something only lives if it's alive. Did you feel the weight of that grenade? Something only lives if it's alive. In that chapter in Romans 7, I'll read that first few verses. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that you might bear fruit for God. Down to verse 6. But now by dying to what bound us, we have been released. By dying to what bounds us, we have been released from the law so that we can serve in the new way of the Spirit. I think we as Christians need to understand that when we come into the family of God, the house rules determine that the old is gone as the new has come. The old is gone and the new has come. And my reality as a young man growing up, I knew about Jesus. I knew him. Like Pastor Tim said this morning, I knew Jesus, but I'd yet to experience the resurrection power of Jesus. And so I was still living under the house rules of when I lived on the slums. And so I thought I was still bound by addiction. I thought I was still bound by things like anger, discontentment, shame, guilt, and by what I'd done. But I'd actually come in under a new house, one that the old has died and the new has come. I'm under the new dominion that says that I am alive to Christ, that it is no longer I who live, that Christ who lives in me. That even if I have feelings of discontentment, maybe feelings of anxiety, maybe have feelings of depression, the reality is that you have been given the mind of Christ. And so even in the feeling of it, the truth of it, is only something that lives can be alive. I'm sorry, but your, the power that sin, guilt, shame, depression, anxiety, sickness, death has over you is dead. The way that Jesus dealt with sin is he killed the sinner. How can you live to something if you're dead to it? And so my statement is we need to stop performing CPR on things that are already dead. I know I was, I was like, it, it lives. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the cycle of this because sometimes it's cyclic. Man, I've done this before. I'm doing it again but I'll never do it again next time. And then you do it again next time. And you're like, but next time. 
But then you end up, you're just cycling because you're centered around your ability and your opinion. Because in the kingdom of God, we don't actually operate under our ability. We operate under his authority. Because when we read this scripture here, nowhere in that do I see that our acts do anything. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And therefore he died for all that those who should live that no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Get this, from now on we regard no one according a worldly view, not even yourself. May I say, you don't have the right to judge yourself. You don't have the right to condemn yourself anymore because you don't belong to you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. This was a reality check for me. I don't have the right to condemn myself because that guy, that guy died. This is where baptism comes in, do you know? Water baptism? Because water baptism is a symbolic representation of this as an inner reality. And so when we do baptism, it really, it's a, it can be a, 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 um, a line in the sand mark in your life that whenever you do experience symptoms of your previous life, maybe some lack, maybe some desperation, maybe some anxiety, you can actually look at the line in the sand being your baptism and say, I'm sorry, feelings. I'm sorry, Satan. I'm sorry, my mind. But I was baptized with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So you can have your time, but my truth is that I am not operating under my ability, I'm operating under his authority. And so when we operate as Christians, as we have this mind renewal, as we start to approve of what he's already done in his will for our life, Romans 12, we actually come to this realization that you are free. You are free. My friend, when Pastor Carolina was, was in that lead moment speaking about someone with uh, bouts of uh, depression, you may have bouts of depression, but you are not depressed. That is not your identity anymore, because that guy died. It's no longer him that lives. It's no longer her that lives, but it is Christ that lives in you. You know the same victory that Christ walk in is your destiny, that we are, are destined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, that that is your reality, that you have the same spirit that lives in you that grows Christ from the grave. And so there is an idea that only that which alive lives, so let's stop performing CPR. Let's stop and just leave it dead. Like Pastor Tim's cat this morning, leave it dead. If you know, you know. <laughs> Very good. Another thing in this is I want to I wanna respond to the question of I don't feel transformed yet. Because that's a reality. Like see that kid in the, in the kingdom, kid in the palace, be like, I know I'm in the palace, but I don't feel like I'm in the palace. Because we're driven a lot of the time by a sense of feeling around what's going on.
I'll tell you what, if you have regret around something you did that previously you wouldn't have, you've already experienced the redemption of God because you wouldn't have felt guilt about it before. So if, if before Christ you're an alcoholic, you didn't care. Self-medication, escapism, who cares? But in Christ, if you start to feel the guilt and the conviction around what you've done is wrong, you've already got the mind of Christ. Because you now regret it. Crazy. You're still learning the habits of the family. You're still learning how to live in the house rules. But the power of it is gone. So you don't have the right to condemn yourself. You're worth more than that. Don't discount what God has paid full price for. You're worth more than you're letting yourself on. You are able to do more with God than you're letting yourself on to. You have the Spirit of God in you. He died for you. He believed in you. Don't discount yourself. There's only two people in a, in a manufacturing process that have the right to label something with value. The designer and the purchaser. He's done both over your life. He's designed you. He's given you a purpose. And he's also the one that thought his son was worth your price. So do not discount what he's paid, paid full price for. A reality of this life, it talks about the new life in the spirit. A reality of this life is a, a difference, and it seems quite minor, but there is a difference between living under condemnation and conviction. And that's what my next point is. You are now, as a son, as a daughter, in the house rules of God, you live under conviction, not condemnation. In uh, John 16... Jesus is, John 15 through 16, Jesus is having a moment with his father, having a moment with his disciples. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it's like his last long message, like grunt goodness. John 17 is just like absolute gold. Read it. You should read the Bible. <laughs> John 16, we're reading stuff. But I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. <laughs> we don't have time for this, so we will move on. For if I do not leave the helper, the Holy Spirit will come to you. But if I um, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me, being the world. And regarding righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. Because Jesus is the image of righteousness. If he goes, we need a representation to compare to. And regarding judgment, because the rulers of this world has been judged. Notice the difference between conviction and condemnation is condemnation focuses on your faults, whereas conviction focuses on your identity. Condemnation is like a lie. It takes 90% truth of the circumstance and then manipulates the last 10% to be evil. And so what it does is like, say you did perpetuate a certain maybe cycle, maybe you lost control of your anger and maybe you tr treated someone poorly just like you've done before. Maybe you did, maybe you looked at that website again that you shouldn't know you shouldn't be looking at, but then it takes and it says this, you did look at that website because it is who you are. 
you are weak. You are a manipulator. You are an angry person. You are a pervert. It takes this and it turns the fault into an identity. Here's what conviction does. I know you did it, but Christ is enough. And so what it's saying is you live under God's authority, not under your ability. Here, I've got some list of comparisons here. Condemnation reminds you of your failings, whereas conviction reminds you of Christ's liberation. Condemnation says you are your mistakes, whereas conviction says you messed up, but that isn't who you are. Condemnation is based on your performance to attain acceptance, but conviction is based on who God already says you are. Condemnation focuses on faults, whereas conviction focuses on righteousness. Condemnation says there is no way out. Conviction empowers for change. Condemnation is based on identity. Condem oh, sorry, conviction is based on identity, but condemnation is based on insecurity. And so we see in this reality, in this scripture here, that the Holy Spirit is coming to convict us of who Christ has called us to be, rather than put us in a pit, punch us in the face, and just say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. It's who you are. It's who you are. This is just who you are. You're always an anxious person. You'll always suffer from panic attacks. It's, it's got a dominion over your life. You're, a, you're a d attacking by this. Pornography, it has dominion over your life. It is now a part of your brain. It's a part of your patterns. Man, it, this anger, you always lose control. You can't control it. It controls you, and it keeps punching you in the face. Conviction says you are liberated in Christ. The old is gone. The Christ is enough. And whenever we doubt that, we doubt that Christ's sacrifice was big enough to cover your sins. His, he is good enough. His sacrifice was big enough. And here's the reality. This is your freedom. This is your moment to experience that. And I, I guess in tonight, in understanding this principle of some of heaven's house rules, one, this wants to be a liberation to you, but I also challenge you, let this be language for you to liberate other people.